from the Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Before we get started, there's two things that we, like, we sometimes will take um, prayer requests, and I have a prayer request today. Um, I am, uh, we're going to pray for Dietrich Winter because I'm playing him in golf today, and I'm absolutely going to destroy him, and so I just, he needs the emotional support. So D, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, your way. All right. Second thing, um, I don't like to make things about me. It's very rare, right? Um, is our baptisms next week. Nikki um, did a wonderful job, but did not. The best selling point of baptisms is you get to spend an afternoon in Carleton, Minnesota. Hello. You're welcome. Chubb, you, Chubb Lake is the sacred grounds of history of history. So you can come in, dip your toe in it. You can drink some of it if you want. Makes you a better person right away. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, so I don't recall the last time I told this story. Uh, but it fits in, because today we're doing child dedications. Dedication. We're doing child dedication. Um, and I want to take some time to, like, well, why do we do? Is it, like, is, do we just do stuff because we're a church, and churches to do churchy stuff? Because, you know, if the churches don't do churchy stuff, who's going to do the churchy stuff? And I'm just, I, like, left that so far ago. I, like, one of our values is purpose. We want to do things on purpose and with purpose. So, obviously, if we're going to talk about child dedications, we have to talk about Hardee's. Um, Steve, you like Hardee's? Yeah. Big fan of Hardee's. So, um, when I was 18, I went to a, uh, a, my undergrad at North Central University. Thank you. Did you go? Oh, I was waiting for the people who did go. Thank you. Th- these two over here went to North Central, and they're like, no, not us. Just don't, don't. <laughs> just leave, leave us out of it. Um, and it's hard to imagine, but at like 18, 19 years old, um, I wasn't the brightest kid. I know. I look like I would be smart the whole time, but I wasn't. And um, there was, like, red fluid pumping into my, like, into my car, which I don't know a lot about cars, but I don't think that's good. I don't think it's how it's supposed to work. Um, and I remember asking someone, they're like, oh, if you just, like, take the hose and, like, redirect it and you do it, the blah, 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 it should be fine. And I heard that as like someone who knows what they're doing. And I believe that I That's my car, I get Nick Lusk, uh, Bill Whitevin, and Joe Plant. And just, I say their full names in case you ever bump into them. You're like, Nick Lusk, were you at Hardee's? Right, it'll be good. Um, and um, I hop in, we hop in the car, I'm like, guys, we're gonna go fix my car. I know as much about fixing cars as I do heart surgery, right? It'd be like, I'm sure I can fix someone's heart, let's go. So. Um, if you're 19 years old and you have a car and you have to do some car work on it, where, where would you go take a car to get fixed if you were going to do the work? If you were going to do it, yeah. Exactly. You, you are smarter than me, right? You should, you should go to a garage. I had family. I could go to a garage. We could work on it. They could look at me and say, don't do this, Chris. You're going to maybe hurt yourself. And where do I go? An abandoned parking lot near the University of Minnesota, right across the street from... Parties. And this is where I choose to work on a car that I know what I'm doing. 
So um, my friends get out, and they also think this is a good idea. And we jack up the car, not with, like, a real jack. We use, like, the tire jack that, like, you know, fits in the back of your car. And, like, and it's a diamond jack, so the higher it goes, the skinnier it gets. And the skinnier it gets, the less supportive it gets. And I think there work. And at this time, I had no fear of getting under cars. You probably know where this story is going. So right before I get under the car... Uh, my buddy Nick goes, hey, Chris, shouldn't we put, like, something in the car? Like, underneath it, just in case it falls over? And we all laughed. And I'm like, ah, yeah, oh, I can't see too well. Is that Jerry Seinfeld over there? Because he's a funny guy. He's not going to fall, Nick. Come on. And we give him a hard time. And Nick just goes out, and he finds a um, cinder block. Now, a cinder block in an abandoned parking lot, how did it get there? Probably some drunk college kids found one, drove around the parking lot, and said, what happens when we drive 80 miles per hour, and then we throw it in the air, right? We use that to support the car in case of an emergency. So I remember crawling in. Look to my left is the cinder block, and it's very low clearance, so the car's, like, right here on me. And to get to this hose that I'm going to redirect, um, the way you put the jack, those jacks have, like, a really long bolt, right? The skinner gets, the, the bolt gets more exposed. And the way that I put it in is directly where my arm needs to go. So instead of pausing and putting it back down and moving it, I, in my great 19 years of uh, intellectual, just said, oh, I'll just put my arm underneath it. So the pin is sitting, like, on my armpit. Yeah, exactly. Have you not heard this before, Steve? Oh, man, this is gold. So um, my, I start doing it, and my friends... Um, also aren't too wise, they start running around the car. Because what do you do when you're 19 in an abandoned parking lot? You play tag. I don't know. And then they actually bumped it, and I said, guys, stop. It might fall over. Now, they begin to mock me. Oh, Chris, are you flirted? The car's going to fall on you. And they jokingly pretend to rock it. Now, if you've ever been around any boy from, like, 3 to 21, right, when they pretend to, like, pretend to do something they think they're pretending and they're really violently doing it and i remember the car goes left and went right and i turned my head and the car poof, fell on the cinder block that we mocked nick for doing and that pin went into my body went in my armpit and i am now pinned underneath this car and my friends lose their minds as they should and they start screaming i'm screaming and they run i'll never forget this and I have had two concussions. I don't remember, like, years of being a parent, but I remember this. They run to the front of the car, and all three of them are trying to lift a car. And they yell out, if only we could lift this car! And that was my sign of I need to get out because I'm looking at the cinder block, and I pull my arm out, right, and I crawl out, and now I'm in shock. I'm bleeding. There's blood everywhere. This is such a good story. And... um. Now, let's go back. Let's go back in. Right. Now, let's say you're with me, right, and I'm bleeding, and you're my friend, and I said, what should we do? You would say, give her a round of applause, everyone. Yes. This is why I'm convinced if there was one non-male person there, I would never be under this car. They're like, what are you doing? Well, get out from there, right? Um, my friends, right, what do they do? They don't bring me to the hospital. They don't call 911. They look over at Hardee's. They're like, let's go to Hardee's. They bring me. I'm all in blood. And we walk into Hardee's. And they're like, do you have a first aid kit? They're like, yeah. We go into the bathroom. 
and we wash all the blood off. They put that little gel thing on it that comes in the first aid packet, and we put a sticker, not a sticker, um, that would be better if it was a sticker, right? Um, a Band-Aid on it, right? That's what we did. Then we went and played Goldeneye you know, on 64. That's what we did. And I still have a scar under here. Why do I tell this story about dedication? Because this is what friends and family do. They show up. Even when it's bad ideas, even if they have no idea what they're doing, they still show up. They still engage. They're like, well, I don't know what to do. We just can't let Chris bleed out. Let's get him the hardies, right? And this is what I love about my circle of friends, my family, and what I love about this church is we have a community of people that are willing to try to help you. They're willing to try to get to know you. They're willing to try to help inspire you, be the fullest you, because that's what healthy people do, right? I would say this is what Jesus-looking people do. There's just one little problem with this. We always want to be the people, right, who, like, try lifting the car. We always want to be the people that bring them to Hardee's. We rarely want to be the person underneath the car, obviously. But in my experience... for help. Sometimes it's really hard. Even when it's obvious you should go do something, it's still hard to receive it. You've been there before, right? People are like, how are you doing? And inside, you're like that meme of like Elmo in the dumpster and it's all on fire. You're like, I, I am Elmo. I am Elmo right now and I'm burning into flames. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm never been better, right? Praise him. He's going to let go like God, right? And we, and why? Why do we do that? Because there's, there's this, um, idea of being vulnerable that feels so naked, it feels so risky that we'd rather continue to burn than actually not even ask for help, even receive help. Um, uh, several months ago, I had a friend that took their own life, and she was one of my former students. I did, um, Nikki and I got to do their wedding. We'll be okay. I love, that's why I'm, that's why I'm a pastor. And there was a lot of students, and I got to connect with the family, and I'm helping them. And I'm like, this is good. This is good. And I had my wife, I had my friends all reach out to me, and they're like, Chris, you doing okay? Let's go get Brie, like three different times in one week, reached out. And the third time, she just, she didn't say, do you want to hang out? She goes, we are meeting at 4 p.m., and we're going to Mr. D's. I'm like, I don't even like Mr. D's, but I will go there because I'm afraid of Brie. So I... I show up just honestly just feeling like this will be fun. We're going to have uh, a drink with a friend, and we're going to just connect. And I sit down, and she walks in, and she hands me a drink, and I look at her, and I just bawl. I just absolutely lose it because finally, I, 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 and I knew I needed it. I didn't know I really needed it. Um, I finally had a place of where I didn't have to help anyone else. I could be vulnerable. And then she hugged me, clinked my glass, and then we Because Bree knew I needed something, right? She, a lot of people knew I needed something, but was willing to show up again and again, even when I resisted it, and would do it in love. This whole atmosphere where people could be seen, where people could show up, where people could be included, right? I'm going to read a story that is going to very obviously tie in with child dedication very clearly, and I'll make it sense all at the end. This is in... Uh, Luke 5, if you want to follow along at home. All right, come on. I can do this without it falling. All right, Luke 5, verses 17, 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. 
Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Long pause. And he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. All right. I love this story for several reasons. The first, Jesus knows how to throw a rager, right? He knows how to throw a party. It's true, right? Where, where Jesus is, there is um, chaos, right? It's not just everyone sitting there like, this is a lot of fun. It's not a kindergarten class, right? Like, it is, there is movement, there is energy, and there's people coming from all different parts of this area. Why? Because Jesus could do some cool party tricks, right? Probably, right? This is, did you hear that he raised this guy from dead? Did you hear that people are like, I gotta, I gotta see that. Um, but also, because there's something about this, this culture that Jesus does where people feel seen, where they feel like they belong. They feel like they're included, right? Because there's this whole system that people are pushed aside, and Jesus again and again goes to the people, goes to the people who have been kind of pushed out, marginalized, and he sees the humanity of them. He, he speaks to them. He engages them. He dances with them. He has a meal with them. He, he's in all these, like, he goes to these wedding feasts with them because they're absolutely included. But there's all the people who show up, the religious insiders, right? And the, here, the Pharisees kind of get a, you would know this, Pharisees sometimes get a bad shake, right? We hear Pharisees and we're like, oh, boo. Like, if you think about it, Pharisees are these people who had to study these laws, right, to help society function. And that's what they were trained to do. They're just doing their job. And they, sometimes they miss the boat. But they show up, maybe to hear Jesus, but also it's not hard to imagine. They also want to see the watch who's showing up to see Jesus, Right? You guys, does anyone ever, ever like rage listen or rage watch? You listen to something or you watch something you know you're not going to like, you know you disagree with, but you watch it anyways just so you can be like, oh, or am I the only one? No? Okay, yeah, yeah. And I imagine there's some rage listeners right here, right? Make sure to tie. Thank you. So um, uh, they, they, there's people who do. They, they're like, you know, I don't like what you said. I'm like, maybe you should just not listen. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, I'm not talking about that. experience whatever the Christ is doing. And there's so many people, these guys, like let, let's say the guy on the mat is Bill. Was it Bill's idea to get to Jesus to get healed? Possibly. Or could, was it his four buddies said, hey, Bill, we're going, All right? And Bill's like, okay, let's go, right? And they pick him up. Regardless, they're on this mission because they want to see Jesus because they believe that Jesus could heal this person. And you can imagine as they're walking up, and they see all these people, and they can't get to Jesus. And, you know, probably Carl looks at his friends, I told you we should have left two hours earlier. Come on, all right? And they're like, stop talking to me, Carl. And so they keep going, and, and then they're like, I got a great idea. And you know these guys were probably about my age when I got underneath the car because they said, Bill, I have a great idea. We're going to go up on this roof, and we're going to drop you down. And Bill's like, come again? <laughs> you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do what? 
And imagine this, you're in this room, and a bill comes down, and Jesus is right there, and you know, I doubt they did this quickly, right? It was probably like making noise, and Jesus had to stop and like awkwardly look up at him, and they come down, and he waits, and the first thing that Jesus says, right, is what? Your sins are forgiven. If you were Bill, you would be like, wow, thanks, Jesus, that's some good news, but I actually came for something more, Right? But this statement is um, monumental. This statement, we, we, we kind of like, oh, yeah, forgive us the sins. That feels good. We get it. Right? Let's get to the good stuff. This is like um, earth-shattering because what Jesus says here changes everything because for multiple things. First, these religious insiders or teachers of law, the Pharisees, when they say, well, only God can forgive sins, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we get that. But how are sins forgiven? They have this whole um, ritual. They have this whole process of where you can do these different rituals, do these different sacrifices, offer grain, all these different things, depending on what you do, then you would be forgiven, or then you would be ceremonially clean, right? And if you're not clean, then you don't have access to different parts of community. You don't have access to different aspects of who God is. They had this sense of that, Things could happen to you if you had a sickness or paralyzed because of some sin in your life, right? Or you had some generational sin, right? In the Old Testament, it goes to like three or four generations. And because they did something, now clearly you're paralyzed um, because they didn't understand science, right? They'd say, oh, some demon or some being is causing you to do this, right? And if you're unclean, that's not good, right? If you're unclean, You're forgiven. And he does absolutely nothing to deserve it, right? By saying you're forgiven, you're also, in a way, saying you are now clean. You're good. You get the best of all this community. You get the best of all whatever we call this craziness. And but this is a guy who's paralyzed. This is a guy that's viewed as less than. Jesus, in front of everyone, is saying, this guy is good. We rank people, right? We rank people of who's the best and who's kind of best and who's average and who's, you know, other words we don't like to say out loud, right? And what Jesus is saying is, you all look at this guy, pointing like he's, he's not here. If you're watching on camera, there's no paralyzed man right here, right? Um, he looks at this guy and says, you call them out, you call them less than, and I'm saying he's good. I'm saying even before he gets healed, he's included. He's good and beautiful. And this changes everything because we, well, I won't speak for you. I'll speak for me, all right? I still operate that if I can just do this, if I can just confess this, if I can say this, if I can accomplish this, if I can have access to this, then I'm really good. And if I'm not doing those things, I'm less than. And not just to, like, you know, people I know, not just to my family. There's times I used to feel that way about God. I am less than because I'm not doing these things. And Jesus blows it all out of the water and says, everywhere you go, you're good. Everywhere you move, you can't escape this goodness because it's always, always inside and with you. And if that's true, if he's good, then you're good. And you're good. And you're good. And if you're good, then you have the freedom to move in this space as your fullest self. You get the freedom to move in this divine love and radical inclusion. And this is why we dedicate, obviously, right? We dedicate because alert the media, parenting is hard, Right? If you, um, if you have a kid or you have friends who have kids, if you have chosen family, 
It is incredibly, incredibly hard. And there's times that we lose our minds, right? And I'm thankful. Is my partner here? I'm thankful um, um, because Nikki and I, well, I'll just say me, right? There's times that I'm a really good dad. And there's other times, eh, not so much, right? And I'm so thankful that Nikki and I rarely get to those points together. If we're like, we're going to lose our mind, rarely the other person comes in and says, hey, maybe you should like, I don't know, stop talking, go for a walk, right? And I'm thankful for that because there's someone who can remind me, right? Hey, we can do a little bit better. There's someone who can remind me um, of like what, what kind of values we really hold. There's some who's willing to say, uh, I don't know how we're doing, I don't know how we're going to do it, but there is love in this place and we can do it together. We need reminding. We need to remind our kids, right? Wesley, right? Like, not just the parents are dedicating them. You are, right? And the family who showed up. But even as a church, we get to do this. We get to remind Wesley that he's good. We get to remind Wesley that he belongs. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that kind of like what we hunger for, move around this world that we just want someone to notice us? Just someone to remind us, hey, we love you. Hey, you're good. Hey, you're included. And when we're dedicating, we're saying that, A, we believe that God is including Wesley, always have and always will. But we're also saying we get to do that together in the same way we see in that story of people show up and want something just a little bit better for this guy that maybe he can't do for himself yet. We get to do that for Wesley, we could do that for one another. We get to do that for the kids. And honestly, uh, I was telling you guys earlier, dedications and baptisms, weddings and funerals are some of my favorite things we get to do as a church. As a pastor, it's one of my favorite things because we get to rally around something truly good and beautiful. I don't have to convince you that this kid is good, right? I don't have to convince you that this kid is worth love. But when we get to express it and embody it and celebrate it together, I believe it's truly a holy thing. So we are officially going to dedicate. I'm going to read something first, then I'll have you come up. Let's just throw these down here. All right. I just want everyone to see. We have an official little child dedication form. So you get to put this in your refrigerator. Ooh, thank you. Isn't that nice? I did nothing with this. This is Brie. All right. Child dedication. We believe that all humanity was designed to live well with God, each other, and all creation. When we pause and notice and celebrate new life that is growing, this reminds us to recognize divine goodness in all things. Take a pause and recognize God's design for, creation, for creation's flourishing. We notice, honor, and care for these new lives that are now a part of our family and our growing community. In Genesis 1 of the Bible, we read that after the creation of every living thing that God says, it is good. In verse 27, humankind is created, and in the image of God, blessed to be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and rule over all creation. We are confident God made every one of us as image bearers here on earth. Because of this confidence, we also celebrate, bless, welcome, and love our children. What are we acknowledging in dedication? We accept that children are made in the image of God, and we see the face of God in our children right now, not just when they're adults. We support that our children are entrusted to us to love, nurture, and guide throughout the seasons of their childhood and into adulthood. We appreciate God's divine design for us to live in our compassionate relationship with ourselves, our neighbors, and with God. We accept and affirm that our children are blessed with the gift of stewardship here on earth. As a community, we commit to encouragement, support for all who call this their home. We share in what we have so that there's flourishing in our midst. As a church, we will come alongside with humility to serve and to love one another so that every person thrives here. All right, let's welcome up the family, please. 
I'm going to put it right here. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Why don't you come on up, and why don't you introduce us to your family? I'm Miriam, and this is John, and we're the Hermans. Uh, and this is Irene, she's six, and Owen, he's three. Come on, Owen. Hi. And this is Wesley, he's, he'll, he'll be uh, three months on Thursday. <laughs> All right, Owen, do you have anything you want to say on the microphone? Yeah? No? Okay, gotcha. I just I felt the vibe that maybe you wanted to share something. All right. Do you have anything you want to say on the microphone? No? Okay. Yeah, gotcha. All right. I'm going to read you three questions. I'm going to read you three questions, and I'm going to give you the answer, right? So you don't have to sweat it. As a part, well, I don't want to get all the way. As a part of God's benevolent creation, do you welcome your child into your family, helping them to flourish as image bearers of God? If so, answer, yes, we welcome you. Good answer. All right. <laughs> That'd be a hard one if you're like, nah, we're good. Nah, so. Will you provide refuge, guidance, and wisdom so that they may receive the deep love and acceptance Christ has for them? If so, yes, by God's grace. Yes, by God's grace. Will you commit yourselves as a family to model Christ's life, loving and serving each other so that all may flourish? If so, answer yes with the help of the Holy Spirit. All right, here's my favorite part. We get to do this as a church, right? And I want you to say it like you mean it, right? As a church, as a community, do you commit to support, encourage, and serve these families following Christ's example for the flourishing of all? If so, answer, we stand with you by God's grace. Stand with you by God's grace. All right, if there's any family or friends that are here, you can come on up if you want, no pressure, and we're going to pray for this family. Why don't you move just up a little bit in the middle so your family friends can kind of gather around you? And the reason that we do this outside of you have very beautiful family and friends, uh, is this is a sign of um, what families do, right? We rally around, we speak blessings, and we remind the, the Christ's love and beauty in each person. So if you feel comfortable, can I put my hand on your back? Do you mind? Okay. And we're going to Wesley. No, yes, Wesley. Yeah, thank you. All right. So God, we love you, and we say yes and amen over all these beautiful lives. Thank you for the gift that they all are. Thank you for the gift that Wesley is. And we say yes and amen over his life. And I pray you'd give the family and friends here the wisdom, the energy, the moxie, and the strength to continue to show up every day giving love. And we set Wesley apart for the kingdom of God and all the beautiful things. And I pray that he is reminded every day that he belongs. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we dedicate this child. Amen. Thank you. Well, that is our service, friends. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, you can clap. That's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. If there's anything you'd like to process or pray, um, you can find me anytime and enjoy the rest of your Sunday.